Hello and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I am Matt and I'm a game master who just can't stop talking about role-playing games. Today, I am joined by friend of the show, Vince, to talk to you about environmental storytelling. Vince, why don't you say hi? Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. Yeah, so for those of you who are new to the show, Vince has been on the show a couple of times now. Um, you were last here, I want to say, a month, a couple months ago now. I think so, yeah. It was yeah. about um, splitting the party, right? Yes, yes. So. Talking about splitting the party. Um, it was a fun conversation, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go and listen to Vince's uh, amazing insights <laughs> on splitting the party. Um, today, we're going to talk about environmental storytelling, which is something that I think is, is near and dear to our hearts for both of us. Right, Vince? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So but before, we, before we dive into that, uh, let's just do a quick little hello, a quick little check-in. So, Vince, uh, how are you doing? What kind of games have you been playing these days? What kind of systems are your new favorites? That, that kind of stuff. Hey, well, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. Um, well, you know, like I, I've started running my, uh, my, um, I, I think I talked about that last time, like my kind of mega dungeon type game, which has changed a lot from, from the, from what I've been playing versus what, what we've been playing. And I like for the record, uh, Matt's been, is one of my players, right? So, um, that's been a lot of fun just, you know, getting back into gear and like, uh, you know, actually being a dm for once has had been a, a little bit of a while so but yeah it's just been five he's been on my mind as you know if i i don't want to i've been like and we talked about a bit, a bit about that before the show like i've been reading like rereading the rules i'm like oh, i don't like that <laughs> kind of, we've been arguing a bit about it um so yeah that's, that's what i've been doing it's been a lot of fun cool cool yeah you know what like I was giving you a hard time before. I mean, <laughs> you're right. There are certain things about fifth edition that are too general or or too hand wavy. But I think that that to, to to give it its to give it its piece, I think that that's why it's so successful. Obviously, marketing yeah. and money, but it's it's easier to get into than than previous editions. That that's no doubt, and it's because of this simplification of things. I think. Um. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I forgot that you categorized your game as a mega dungeon because we haven't really <laughs> been in a dungeon in a while. <laughs> I know, but that, that's that's the thing too. I think I, I showed myself with a foot because I'm like, I'm like, well, I don't want it to be always inside, you know, because that's the point. Like, if you think about mega dungeons, like the, you know, classic ones, like the Temple of Elemental Evil, I think, or Under Mountain, right? It's like those huge dungeons with like several areas, like. I'm like, well, I, it can't be outside, but no, it just, I think it just, in players' minds, like, it's, it just doesn't work. Like, it's, if you're outside, it's not a dungeon. So, like, the, it's not, you don't have the same, like, um, impulses and, and, or, or whatever that, that you would have if you were indoors, which is very strange. But, um, yeah, I, I think I kind of shut myself with the foot, but it's fine. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and, uh, and, you know, I think it's the nature of, of this game that, like, you know, I mean, it's not, like, I, I try to prepare it like it, like it was a module, but, like, I, I didn't, like, it's, it's obviously not a module, like, 
So it, it's meant to, to, things are meant to change a bit, you know, so that's fine. Yeah, no, it, it has been a lot of fun. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's funny how you say that because you're a hundred percent right. The, the, the primal instincts of a player kind of kick in when they're in a dungeon. It's the, the meta rules of what you should and shouldn't do, the behaviors mm-hmm. that are expected. It kind of it it kind of just flows a little bit more naturally. Clear a room, make a decision, go to the next room. You know, and obviously you don't always have to kill everything in a room and yada yada. But that that's kind of the mindset that most players end up having. Whereas when you're out and about in the overworld, if you will, you kind of have more freedoms, and with those freedoms come a little bit less of a cadence. So it makes it harder for players, I think, to follow a certain rhythm. And they kind of beat to the path of their own drum, if 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 I may. But anyway, yeah. Um, but but I think that that you know is a big reason you running your own game, you running this game in this more open uh, space is kind of what instigated today's conversation. Because in our last game, uh, you know, right when we finished, you mentioned something about how you're very passionate about environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that really, ever since Monday, so about four days ago, for those of you listening, my gears in my head have just been going and like, I can't stop thinking about environmental storytelling. And I, I think it's such an important part of role-playing games. It's such a fun part for me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I figured we'd talk about that. I don't know if you have anything to add uh, to that, Vince, but that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm heading. No, let's roll. I, I agree. I, I, I mean, I did say that, that I liked it a lot. So obviously, I'm looking forward to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. So then let's let's dive right in. Let's not uh, waste any more time. Um, so environmental storytelling, I, I know it's a term that I think has become more popularized in video games, like video game settings, yeah. maybe in cinema too, right? In, in mediums where there's like visuals being displayed for the people consuming quote unquote the product yeah uh, yeah definitely i, I mean it, it goes down to like um i, I mean cinema like it's it's what it's i we, i read a bit about about it before like it's, like, it's kind of like set dressing right like what kind of objects are going to be out and about and your, your props etc like that's all that's all for your viewer right so yeah. Obviously, it's a big part of that. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, before the show started, Vince and I spent a little bit of time looking up if there, you know, if there was like a consensus in terms of definition for what environmental storytelling is, and so we found a few different ones. Right, Vince alluded to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we found one that I thought was kind of interesting. It, maybe it's not the best one. I, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't spend that much time looking this up. But it was definitely one that spoke to us and had certain elements that we thought uh, were the most conducive to an interesting conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and quote this one. This is from GameDeveloper.com. And they say that environmental storytelling is the art of arranging a careful selection of objects available in a game world so that they suggest a story to the player who sees them. Um. That's kind of the that's kind of the the definition that that they they say, and they also go on to say that in most cases, a story is impartially directed to you as the player, with little or no interpretation necessary. So 
you know, with, with that definition out there on the podcast for us to consume and, and assess, Vince, how do you feel about that definition? Are there things that stand out to you, things that you disagree with? Um, yeah, I, I think that um, it's, 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 it's exactly that. Like, that's for video games, um, but I think it, 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 uh, it applies itself pretty well to, to um, uh, pen and paper role-playing. Um, because like, like they're, they're speaking of arranging a careful selection of objects available in the world. Um, maybe, maybe in, 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 actually in role-playing, like we have the, um, like you're not, like in a game, you're just looking at something. So, so things are just going to be laid out there. In role-playing, you have your DM describing things and you can ask questions, get more details. So it's actually, I think, even easier to, Go a bit deeper, and uh, like, not just like, it, not just like have it be a, a painting uh, of like this is what you see, and like, oh, I'm getting like I'm getting a story out of this, but uh, like you can go even more uh, complex, right? Yeah, yeah, and I I think people tend to be more invested. I, I mean, I don't know. There are people who are very invested in video games too, but when when you're playing a character that you know sometimes most of the time is is a is a piece of who you are as a person you're you're playing this character in a game world and you're finding your home village or you're you're going somewhere that like is very meaningful to you as a character or to someone else in your party there's kind of that that investment you know you you're in a space that you have a bigger emotional attachment to Mm -hmm. i feel than in a video game to me video games tend to just like I'm playing because I'm I'm I I don't want to think and I just want to have a good time and and I want to not be really involved. Whereas in a, in a role playing game, it's it's more about yeah that, that involvement, that collaborative piece. So you're role playing in a role playing game, basically. No, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, I'm pointing it out because uh, that that's exactly like in a game, like you just you just experience it. But that, that's that's interesting, like because. Like in a game, you just you just see it. Whereas in 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 um, in a role playing game, in a pen and paper game, you can actually participate, right, and, and have your your character react to it. I, I'm thinking of, of an example of of in our game of you. Um, I don't know if you want, if you want to move on to examples, but um, when like you specifically reacting to something that I put into the environment, and then it, that became its own thing, right? So. Um, that's things that can happen like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you can spell out the example. Go for it. What's okay? It's when um, so there was this um, the, like a uh, you know old ruins or whatever, and there were like skeletons in 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 their beds, right? Um, and it looks like they had died a long time ago. And one of them kind of had um, a letter under uh, in like a little chest under his bed. And your character kind of found the letter, and it was like kind of a love letter. And then, um, so you like you got from that that like, okay, well this 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 guy like that died here, like this this is his bad. So like he's probably he's most probably the person that's that's like this is a letter that he received while he was alive, and it was kind of a love letter. And then he died before he could, you know, meet his his. Uh, um, like see his girlfriend and then leave or whatever, right? And then and I I I, um, I specifically remember you putting it putting a letter on on top of him, kind of as like as a um 
I, I'm, I'm, I can't find a word, but like as a symbolic thing of like mm-hmm. rest in peace. And that became its, its whole thing because then I, I had an NPC kind of react to that. And that played into the, you know, played into your, your character as well. Like you're, uh, uh, you're playing like a Warforge and, and that NPC was like, oh, wow, like what, what did you do that? Like I thought Warforge were, you know, like, you know, like not, not really like people or whatever. And then that that led on to to more and more and more things in the game. So yeah, that was a it's a good it's a, a good cool example. example. I think yeah, for for sure. And and I think it speaks to exactly this this collaborative piece, this reactionary piece, right? When you're playing in a video game, yeah, you can usually select a few options or or pick from a drop down menu or or whatever. But it's mm-hmm. not nearly as involved. It doesn't have as many layers, like you're saying. Um, so yeah. maybe that's one distinction that we can draw from this mm-hmm. from this definition that we find. Um, one for me that that I find interesting um, is is how you know in in this definition they they say it's something that's often with little or no interpretation necessary. Mm-hmm. And I guess that makes sense. In a video game, you're gonna you're gonna spectate something, and it needs to make sense because otherwise, what was the point of having that exposition happen? Um, but I, I feel like in a tabletop role-playing game, the environment and the storytelling that you're telling through it can be a little bit more cryptic because oftentimes you want the players to engage with it. You want the players to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe uh, maybe it's a clue to something further down the road. So it still has to be explicit enough that they understand what they're reading or understand what they're seeing. But for it to be you know, understood with no interpretation whatsoever, then why would they roll to check further? You know, like y- you want to, you want to like make t- tingle the senses so that they mm-hmm. are they're interested and engaged and want to step forward into the room or investigate the book, and you know maybe fall under a trap or maybe alert the goblins or you know so that it's more dynamic. So for for me. I think that's one big distinction that we should draw is that it doesn't necessarily need to be with no interpretation. I, I think, if anything, from from my perspective, more often than not, the environmental storytelling should be ambiguous. It should be, yeah. it it should you know make the players ask questions so that they can actually act on those things. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. There's also the nuance of like, like compare compare like seeing a room in a video game versus like uh, versus seeing a room um, or having a room described to you in in a pen and paper game right so in a a game like you might just enter a door and then you just in a split second you just you get all the information you need with your eyes maybe you look around a bit for like for treasure or whatever whereas in a pen and paper game you have your dm again like specifically bring up every single detail um so you're 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 like your brain is spending a lot more time on all of those like even like furniture. If your DM says, "But there's a table over there," you know whatever it's it's broken, etc. Mm-hmm. You're think you're actively thinking about it. Like it's not it's it becomes really becomes like part of the it, it becomes like a a thing of its own rather than just background. So if if in a game like a, that's why I think they're saying that right. Like you have to be you have to have it super clear whereas. Um, in a pen and paper game, you can kind of, again, like like you said, kind of tease it a little bit, and then just keep bringing it up. Um, 
like that 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 uh, that example that I gave, right? Mm-hmm. That was like the the girlfriend signed her name, right? Um, then like that's that's easy for me to bring up somewhere else if I want to. And then you're gonna be like, oh yeah, like that happened. Whereas in a in a video game, like I don't know, it's it's it might have been like just a a quick like flash, and then you move on. So yeah, yeah, and, and I think you bring up a good point too. Like in terms of feasibility. You you just can't have the game master describe like you you can't have the game master describe every piece of furnishing furnishing mm-hmm. in in a mansion you know like it's just not yeah. realistic you have to you have to allow the imagination of the players to kind of take over a little bit mm-hmm. so it becomes this balancing act but let's let's not get into how to do it quite yet yeah, um, yeah. so so yeah I think if we take that definition that we 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 had and we we place some components to state that it's maybe a little bit more ambiguous that it's under the restrictions like the physical limitations of not having a screen displaying something you know playing for you and, and i mean i say that some people have that kind of thing some people supplement their supplement their oh environmental God, yeah. storytelling with video or, or terrain or things like that but yeah pictures and stuff but I, I think we have a good definition. Is there anything that you wanted to add, Vince? I no, I think it's 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 very broad, but it, it's to the point. So cool, cool. So so then in that case, now that we're we have a common understanding of what environmental storytelling is, let's talk about what it means to us. You know hmm. why it's important to us, uh, the things that we love about it, things that we hate about it, things things like that. So I guess I'll I'll pass the microphone to you first, Vince. Is environmental storytelling important to you? And if so, which I think it is, uh, why? Yeah, so um, it, it's very important to me. Uh, I'd say why, like the, the first reason is, is a bit selfish. It's because I enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. it it's, linked to, it's linked to how I prepare my game. And to me, like that's, yeah, like that to me, that's a, it, it's, how, it's integral, integral to how I prepare my games. I, I couldn't even split it out from. I don't know that I could prepare a game without environmental storytelling. Um, like it's it's completely indistinguishable from a uh, from from everything else I do. So, and I enjoy it a lot, right? Um, so that's that's during the preparation phase. Um, but during the game too, like there's nothing better than seeing players pick up. On, on little tid- tidbits that you, that you've put in here and there, and sometimes it's it's more obvious. Sometimes it's like you're like, mm, you know, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna see that or think about that, but they might, right? Mm. Um, it, it it's really good to like uh, to s- stimulate like uh, you know get the, that get that that little hit in your brain of like what what's going on here, like that jolt that brings you back to the to the present, right? Um, so I, I'd say that's why that's why that's why it's important to me. That's why I like it. I think it's integral to to the game. Cool, cool. And in terms of you know, there's other forms of storytelling present in your game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I'm I've been witness to it. There's there's been moments of exposition. You know, a character telling us something. Um, yeah, things like that. But I, I guess what I'd like to ask is how is storytelling doing storytelling through an environment how does that feel different to you mm. yeah uh, 
Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's a good question. Um, or does or does it kind of hit the same high when when you have an NPC just tell us something? You know, like I, I feel like they're different for me anyway. They they very much are. That's a good point. Um, I feel when when you have an NPC just tell you something, it's like it's it's a lot faster because like environmental storytelling has to be seeded everywhere before people kind of make sometimes before people get it right or they yeah. might not even get it whereas like so, so if if you just have an npc blurt out like oh yeah like well uh this this person was my father and this or that it's more like um it's more like a, a thing where like if you need need that to happen right um as a dm you're like you're like yeah well like this npc would would probably say that now and uh, so that is, it's a lot more direct. Um, it, it's obviously because it's more direct. It's a lot, a lot more useful to like get. Like if if um, your players need a specific piece of a piece of information, and they're kind of scrambling to look for it. Um, excuse me. It's a lot more direct. So so it, it's another tool in your box in your toolbox to just give it to the players, right? So mm -hmm. it's more, I guess, utilitarian. And, and less more like I'd say more bland because like there's no there's no work or no thinking on the part of the players, uh, no no effort on the part of the players, and I, I don't see that as a bad thing that they, they you know like they, they need to work to get their story, but it's more like um, I think it brings satisfaction in players. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like without when, a doubt. Some, yeah. Someone figures out like like oh my gosh like. And then there's a bunch of, I'm thinking of stuff in my game that I can't talk about. Um, <laughs> like, like the, 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 there's things like, yeah, exactly. Like, like things that like, like usually I, I try to make, have it be like huge revelations that are sprung through the environment. And then at some point, someone's going to click and be like, oh, it's been in front of us the whole time, you know? Yeah. And I think that, that like, that really stimulates the players. So. Yeah, I I agree completely with that, Vince. And and I think you spoke to something I think is very important. It's it's not, it's just easy to give a player information through an NPC. Then they're not going to like. Not all players are going to retain that information. Mm -hmm. It's not going to feel as important. It's not going to not going to stick with them as long as if it's something that you know they kind of discovered on their own through the choices they made in how they explored a space. I, I think it's almost like a reward at that point. You know, they're, yeah. they're exploring a space. They're looking at these things. You're giving them pieces of information that in the grand scheme of things are related, but they're just like two different puzzle pieces. And as they put them together, it's not only satisfying for the game master, but it's satisfying for the player. And it, yeah. it just, yeah, it, it just, it's so much more rewarding. And it's so much more, um, what's the word, it, staying? Like it, it has yes. a stronger staying power because they're going to think, why why did that person's belt have like all these gashes on it? Like what attacked them? Like what, what happened? Why was their armor like pierced open with these sharp holes? Like we better, one, we better be freaking careful for whatever did that if it's still out there. And, and you know, it, it kind of creates this, uh, deduction in the players and as they as they move along and get more information they kind of put the puzzle together i feel like yeah. I'm, I'm kind of circling a, a topic here but 
all this to say, I agree with you. I, <laughs> um, and if it's not obvious, I too am, am quite passionate about environmental storytelling. I think I, it's, it's also serves a selfish purpose for me, but <laughs> when I, when I play games, the, one of the primary reasons for me to game master a game is because I like sharing my creations with people. Like mm. to me, it's yeah, I love good stories and yeah, I love having a laugh at the table with my friends, but there's nothing more validating to me as a person than sharing an experience with somebody like going to see a movie with a friend or going to like uh, a convention with somebody is a lot of fun because I'm sharing that memory with somebody. But when people are engaged in a world that's literally from my imagination, it's like this whole next level of, of sharing yeah. because you're, sh you're, you're literally sharing your imagination with these people. So yeah, environmental storytelling allows me to like let people bask in 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 this setting that I've you know that I've created or that we've created together. So mm -hmm. it's a hundred percent selfish, but it's also a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I completely agree with you. Um. So if if we keep leaning on you know personal ex personal experiences and examples and things like that, I uh, I guess a question that I like to think about is your favorite time or you, mm -hmm. you know uh, maybe it was you as a game master you you did this really good piece of environmental storytelling that you're quite proud of or 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 the opposite like maybe you were a player and and a game mm -hmm. master did that to you, like did environmental storytelling very well um is there an instance where that happened and and it, it stuck with you i guess i i kind of that one example i had in my head of that of the letter mm. that's that's pretty like simple i mean and there's and i'm just thinking of my game um i guess maybe in that warhammer game we played um where my character kind of had like a, a really early in the game he had this this vision where he saw like um he kind of saw what, what happened to him like when he was a baby like he saw this whole ritual going on and he got like a whole lot of information from that, right? Who was there, like not necessarily who it was, but like who he saw, like you see a tall blonde man and like, and this, they say this and this happens. And then wait, like literally years later in the game, we arrive like we're in, in this manner. And then there's a bunch of like, in this manner of like um, one of the other players family, right? And then there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of portraits and then, um, the DM starts describing um, the portraits and he describes one of the characters and then I as a player clicked because he's like, oh, he's got like a, um, like he's tall, let's say he's got blonde hair and he's got this this armor that's sculpted to look like, a, like muscles, right? But then I remembered as a player in my vision that there was a guy wearing the same suit of armor. Mm -hmm. So then like years later, I'm like, oh my God, like this is the guy from my vision. And it turns out that it was it was Joe, like another player's dad, right? Yeah. So it, it yeah. all like blew our minds. And I think that the timing was good that like the game kind of ended there. And it was like that was kind of a cliffhanger. I remember I was like incredibly impressed. So <laughs> I think that I think that's environmental storytelling. Um because yeah. like someone else could like look at that portrait and not get it. Like it was specific maybe to me, but um I, I could have not gotten it and just moved on right so 
yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And I and I think that speaks to the power of, that we as game masters have, right? When when we're a game master, game mastering for our players, we can adapt. We can target our storytelling to yeah. people, to the things that we know they're going to engage with. That's that's kind of a benefit that we have. We become familiar with the people who are sitting around our table. We've become familiar with the things that they like, the things yeah. that we, you know, if I put a bookshelf somewhere, I know I know for sure that my players are going to engage with the bookshelf, even if it's not supposed to be important. Things like that. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a jab at you. But. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of books are out there? Oh god! <laughs> no, but you know, like it's it's just it's uh, I guess a perk of being of being a game master in in a in a when we employ storytelling in this way. Um, for me, one that I I really enjoyed as a game master telling to my players mm. was uh, and and you know I don't even have I don't even know if it had good staying power or not, but I really enjoyed it describing it to you guys. Mm-hmm. Was when uh, in my pirate campaign in my rising yeah. tide campaign when you guys went up to visit mama nalu who was like mm-hmm. this shaman this old yeah. elder shaman um she lived in like this old carved out willow tree in the middle of a swamp and like her quote unquote cabin had all kinds of weird like bottles of of creatures and and like eyeballs and fingers and parts yeah, yeah. that like i i, I felt like it was this very vivid painting of of this setting and it was also kind of the first time that you guys engaged with directly that with that culture in in my setting but also with like shamanism and voodooism yeah. in in the game so it you know i was trying to use her as like a conduit for like what what that what voodooism and shamanism in my game represented so it was kind of this fun experience for me to try to make her embody that and like make the place she lived in kind of be this this representation of and generalization I suppose of magic in my setting which anyway it was a lot of fun for me to do because it was kind of like a puzzle where it's like how do I be cryptic yeah. enough how do I it was, it was Yeah fun. I I remember that actually um and you're right it was the first time like we we like we had met a few uh, a few like of members of that culture before and uh that was, and it was like just a few and and it was the first shaman we met so and and it was like oh like you know it was kind of like uh really like like voodoo right mm-hmm. um that it was very really like uh yeah 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 i remember i guess right. it was fun <laughs> um <laughs> Other other than that, are there other other uh, you know in media or instances? Mm-hmm. I I mean we talk about video games and how they're different, obviously from role play like tabletop role playing yeah. games. But I think there's a lot of great examples in video games. Is there anything that mm-hmm. you know that sticks with you or that inspires you? Yeah, I, I mean um, I don't know about inspiring, but one like one like series of games that do it very well is like the whole like anything Bethesda really. Mm. like like uh say say whatever you want about, about like their stories and their narratives which are really great but they, they know about environmental storytelling for sure and, and can be it, it'll be something as simple simple as like um i don't know like uh you see like a, a skeleton um 
that's like uh that's got it got it got that has its hand like uh like it's trying to grab something right and uh like it's trying to grab a stem pack because it was wounded and then that that person died right mm-hmm. or um another kind of example is like and that's more like that's a little bit different but i, I like one of the themes like in fallout 4 and I, that's not that's not my observation i, I think i watched a youtube video from uh i think it was joseph anderson which if if anyone's interested in, in video game analysis i recommend this channel to you it's very good but uh he was saying that like or he mentioned that so so you're playing like a, a father and you're looking for for your child and and strewn about the games are like toys there's there's mm. toys everywhere and 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 it's it's like you wouldn't you might i i didn't notice it before he brought it up but um it's always kind of reminding you of like of of like putting back putting putting you back into the skin of your character then like hey you're, you're looking for you for your son for your baby mm-hmm. i've never noticed that either i, I played that game for like and it's very yeah. subtle right like yeah that's that's really cool yeah bethesda makes great environments and does mm-hmm. a really good job with their storytelling um and and i think what i love about it in that context and it it does resonate with pen and paper games too is that the storytelling is there for you to go find if you want to, right? Yeah. Like there's all these little notes and books and, and, and papers in Skyrim where you can go read, you know, volume five of the, whatever the history of Skyrim <laughs> or like the bard singing a tune in, yeah. in the, in the inn. Like it's, if you want to pay attention to that, you can get yourself invested. And if you mm-hmm. don't, it doesn't hinder your enjoyment of the game to not read it's, all those books. It's background, it's, background yeah. noise, basically. It so adds the, I, to, to the image, yeah. Mm, absolutely. So it's, I think the same thing applies in, in pen and paper games, right? You can, you can pepper these things out, and if the players bite, they bite because yeah. they're, they're, they're particularly interested or they're particularly fond of learning about something. And then you get an insight on what they think is important and what they don't think is important. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times this is going to sound like I'm complaining and I'm not, <laughs> but I always fall into this trap in my games where like religion is kind of important. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, because I feel like often I have this tendency to make demons or, or like infernal creatures, the the villains. So, mm-hmm. for there to be tie-ins and to like kind of tell the story of those villains, maybe how they got locked up and how they're coming back or whatever, I I I have this crutch where I always go back to religion where I'm like, oh well, there's going to be a text in the church that that does it, or or a mural mm-hmm. uh, on a wall, you know explaining the story of creation or the story of the banishment of that demon or whatever i mean i did it in my pirate game where the main villain is this like god of lava and hate and things so and i call it a mistake because my players never care about <laughs> <laughs> or not that they never care i maybe I'm, I'm i'm exaggerating for the sake of story here but there seems to be less interest at least in in our circles to to go and like assess some religious text. And you know what? I don't blame them because I wouldn't care about it either. I don't know why I do it to myself, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
<laughs> that's yeah, that's my parentheses. I don't even know where I was going with that, but um no, I, I mean I mean I can add something to that. Like it's not again, it's not just quickly, but like that that's something interesting too. Like every DM kinda have it has its own um their own um not cliches, but like go-tos, right? Yeah. And sometimes like you don't as you run a game, you might notice like, ah, oh, this, this looks a lot like uh, that other game I ever have is like like for me it's like ruins and stuff. Everything's always ruined. It's nothing <laughs> new ever. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? It, it makes for much easier terrain to make because you can just yeah yeah. I, I mean, oh, look at me. It's almost as it was planned. It's it's a it's very good for environmental storytelling. It is yeah 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 because uh, you've got like like layers right. So you've got like oh like two hundred years ago there was this kingdom and then a thousand year before there were the elves were there right. So now you've got like this kind of like archaeology right. So mm, that's cool. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I have one other example from a video game yeah. that I wanted to bring up because I think it's a very uh, micro example that mm -hmm. I, I thought was fantastic when I played. And then, and then maybe we can get into how we how we do it. I think that yeah, it's yeah. a, a good time. But yeah, so I I don't know if you played Sekiro, Vince. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't so had a chance yet. It's a really good game. You should play it. It's also very frustrating, like all the other from software games. So like. Yeah, I, Dark Souls it, and Bloodborne. Is that the, the game with like the big monkey or whatever? <laughs> it's the big monkey game. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I mean, I guess this is kind of a bit of a spoiler. So if you guys want to play that game, uh, skip ahead like I don't know six minutes. But consider this your warning. So anyway, so there's one, uh, there's one uh, location in that game called the Senpu Temple on Mount Congo. And the Senpu Temple starts off when you enter it as this space with a bunch of monks. There's all these monks. Mm -hmm. They're walking up and down. They're going to their temple. That's it. Like, they, they fight you. Like, they, you're an invader and they, they fight you to, like, get you out of there. So, but, you know, it tells you the story of, you kind of learn about these monks and you, you get the exposition of this is how the architecture looks and this is the kind of scriptures on the wall and the gongs and the little ponds with the koi fish swimming, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of sets the standard. It sets this um, baseline expectation of the environment moving forward. Mm -hmm. But then as you dig into the, you go into the temple and you go to the next, like into the darker reaches of the, of the temple or you climb up to the next zone, if you will, you start to witness deviations from the environment that you were used to. So now there's some monks they literally look like they've been turned to stone. Like there's 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 statues, but they're not in a position that a statue should be in. Like they're not in the middle of a plaza. They're mm -hmm. they're like in front of a gong praying. And you're like, that's kind of weird. Like why why is this guy turned to stone? And you start to not only start fighting monks, but also there's like these centipede creatures that are kind of mm -hmm. like in the in the recesses of the temple. And as you continue and you go deeper and deeper, um, you start fighting even more more deviations where some of the monks are like undead with centipedes coming out of them. Like the centipedes uh, have taken control of the bodies course. of these monks. And you see, you see like failed uh failed experiments, if you will, of like 
writing and scriptures written down where it's uh, like a search for eternal life. And then at the very end of this zone, there's a couple of different boss fights and things, but you, you end up fighting like this gigantic deformed centipede man with like these like big blades as arms. It's a lot of fun and it's a really hard, it's a pretty hard boss. But anyway, it the point in me telling you guys the story is I really enjoyed the way that the environment kind of told this story. And it also told the story by small changes in the environment as you went like further and further away from the most commonly explored areas of the space. So you kind of like dug deeper and deeper and deeper into the history and the, you know, the rituals of these people. And then you start to learn like, well, that's why they didn't want me coming here because they didn't want me to learn about their quote unquote eternal life. Like, yeah. At first, I'm like, they're just bad guys and an enemy. Like, they, they just think I'm an enemy. They're fighting me. But no, it's it's because they're protecting this stuff. And yeah, they don't exactly. want people to know and blah, blah, it, blah. It puts the other, like, the, the first part in in, in uh, context or whatever, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. each each part kind of layered together told mm-hmm. a whole new story. Like, each, yeah. each level told the story, but then all together. Anyway, it was really cool. Um, I think From Software does a pretty good job of doing environmental storytelling in general. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Dark Souls, etc. It's a Dark Souls. Yeah, it's very, mm. very good. I, I for mean, one, I really sorry, like the environmental storytelling in Mario Kart. I think oh, it's so good. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you were gonna say something before I cut you off with my bad joke. <laughs> That's good. Why are you kind storytelling? <laughs> no, I think um what was I gonna say? Yeah, and, and Dark Souls, like they've got all those um I guess like they've got all all those item descriptions, right? Where like like you find a shield and it's like oh the the knight like it'll have like a, a not a poem but like a, a little blurb like that's not really about the shield. But it's part of a set and when when all of the you have all of that set you kind of learn a bit about the environment. You're like, oh, well, this was the armor of, of a warrior that, and this happened to him. And then you can find a warrior somewhere else uh, in, in as an enemy in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, like, it's like the only way, like almost the only storytelling there is in that game, really. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's very few characters to interact with in most of the yeah. games. Um, They're all super cryptic too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, unless there's other things that you wanted to to point out, cool. I'm I'm seeing a, a shaking of a hand. Yeah, yeah, I'm shaking my hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, then then I guess that we'll go into our final um, our final quote unquote segment, and this is where I guess we can talk about you know how we do it, how we do it, uh, advice we might have. So you you know you alluded to it a little bit, Vince. You said how maybe it's part of your planning. I don't know if you want to start with that. Mm-hmm. Could you could you elaborate a little bit more what you mean um, when you say yeah. that? Yeah, I mean definitely that's it's definitely something you have to plan. Like it doesn't ha- happen on its own unless like you have a you happen to have a very good idea while you're playing, in which case you know that's absolutely go ahead. But like it's easier if if you plan it. And like, like for me, it starts when, um, like, like especially in the game I'm doing right now, like it's it's really like it's a bunch of because again it was it was supposed to be like a mega dungeons, right? So you've got all of these zones, right? 
and every zone has kind of its its own history. And and it, when you you link the the history of all the zones, you get the history of the dungeon, right? Mm. So so I, I go at it like, um, I'm like, okay, what what is this place, right? So so usually I have like a generic generic idea. So uh, it could be like a uh, and just something that would make sense here, like maybe the ruins of a farm, right? Or uh, there was a village here, um, or, or like a fort, right? And then you you start there, and then and you start you start um, you start just putting details, like you you, you got to think about um, you know what happened there, and and how like what what are like what what's the story of that place, and then you you kind of have to break down that story into into little little nuggets, and then put the, those nuggets into a variety of, of, uh, of things. Like some of them beings in, uh, being in like letters or books or like paintings or um, uh, like the, uh, like, like as, as an example, like one, one I'm going to, I'm going to, it's fine. Cause like, cause you already found out about like the main, the main enemies of like in this, the swamp area where you are in, in our game. Mm -hmm. But uh, and like, there's an early area that you didn't really go to, but in in there, I put in like it was a, like a wolf cave or something, and I put in skeletons of because um, uh, of bullywogs in there, right? And at that point, you didn't really know about the bullywogs, but that that would have been seeding for uh, like environmental storytelling, like like hey, like why are there like frogmen corpses or skeletons here? Well, it's, that's because yeah. there there's a lot of them in the area, right? Um, that's cool. That's uh, you know, and it's cool because I play in the game, and it it adds extra context. But it, <laughs> it makes me think too that environmental storytelling often doesn't have to have a sequence, right? right? Like we could have gone to see the 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 skeletons of the frog people first. We didn't. We went and went to the swamp and fought the frog people there. But now, if we ever go back and and we find that piece of environmental storytelling it's still just as relevant. We'll be like, oh my God, they made it all the way out here. We thought it was safe. Like we thought this was far enough away. Guess it's not. You know, like it, it'll add a, a different context, a different dimension, depending yeah, on what piece true. of the story you get first. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Please, please continue. No, no. Uh, I mean, so, so yes. Yeah, so basically like you're, um, you should even like, like, especially in my game, like I have like, and again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier of like to, of having like when I was talking about ruins and when, where you can kind of play with like different timelines, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've got like one location, uh, like I you know like well you know before it was abandoned was a fort, right? And, and I'm just I'm making this up, so it's not spoilers for a game. So let's say that that fort area that you found maybe like look two hundred years ago it was it was a fort, like even before that maybe it was I don't know like a could there could have been like a uh let's i you know a dragon died there like under the hill right so now you've got you've got like another another layer that you can explore too and you kind of you can kind of mix and match those elements you basically and and then then you you break everything down and you you just spray it you know all over the place yeah uh, for for your place to find like you're touching on something too is is the intention right I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people listening might say, oh, environmental storytelling and seeding is the same thing. But no, it's not. You know, seeding 
to, you can seed your story in your environment, but oftentimes seeding has a tendency of being something that you put in your game and you're like, I don't know what this is going to be, but eventually it's going to grow into something. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not using the, the terminology right. I, I no, no, but you, but you are times, like, but... you can still pepper in and you can still seed the story you want. But I think when we're talking about environmental storytelling, the seeding is done with intention. I think that's the only distinction I'm trying to make here for the listeners is that th- th- that those skeletons of those bollywogs that you talked about, you put them there with purpose. It's not yeah. just like, let's put, let's put some, some skeletons there and see what, what comes up from that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, and and I think you know, for me, what you're saying resonates a lot with me, Vince. And I, I think it's a really sounds like a really uh, effective strategy for doing environmental storytelling, like to to plan it out, to, to think of the story you're trying to say. Um, maybe my the way I do it is a little bit simpler, but I I tend to make a lot of my campaigns and a lot of my games revolve around a conflict between mm-hmm. different groups. So I, I try to think of the people that occupy that space. So when, when you go somewhere, I I I try to railroad you guys, and you, everyone everyone listening is going to be like, "Oh, he's a railroading, he's terrible." Railroading. Oh, if, no. if if you have that reaction, please go listen to the episode about railroading <laughs> versus sandbox because I have a lot to say about that. But anyway, I'm not going to repeat it here. Um, but but yeah, so I I tend to try to you know direct my players towards places that are narratively relevant mm-hmm. and they're narratively relevant because the factions that are involved are present. And then the way that I'll, I'll do my uh, environmental storytelling is by thinking of who are these people? What do they do in their day-to-day life? What are they doing in this place? And what are the things that they might need? What are they, the tools they might have to, I don't know, mine for gold in the mountain? Well, they're going to need maps, they're going to need rails, they're going to need pickaxes, they're going to have to have families, they're going to have to have this, that, and the other thing. You know, maybe there's a leader who's who's corrupt and he wants all the gold for himself. Okay, well, how can I showcase that person's personality mm-hmm. through the way that they... Through the environment. Through yeah. their environment, their, their possessions or their home or whatever. So I, I tend to focus... I, I tend to try to make the environment... um, what's the word I'm looking for here the the environment is representative of the people who are there Mm. so I I tend to fixate on the people, maybe that's wrong, but I tend to fixate on the people and think of what they're doing to populate the space in a way that it's um, it it tells their story it tells the story of those people absolutely yeah I I think think maybe I I mean I think that's part of I, that's definitely something that I, I would want to do too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, like, whoever, that's, like, the present part of the timeline, I would say. Like, who's in that fort right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do, do, you, do you sometimes, um, sometimes I, I try to, like, put in something that's, that's just going to cause, like, that's going to cause shock in, in my players, right? Mm-hmm. Like like putting put in like a, a particular piece of environmental storytelling that's gonna have that's just gonna like stand out so much that people are gonna be like are, are you gonna understand like like I think at at some point um 
like let's say like there's an an, an uh, let's say there's like a boat right uh, uh, that uh, or a shipwreck like in the middle of a desert, you know? Yeah. Like why is that here? And and that that like it it, it just like obviously like in that in that in that I I kind of want to have my players to have my players start to think about like okay there, there's something going on here right do you ever do that yeah no i really like that you say that because it, it brings a very vivid memory uh to me and it, it kind of goes back to the people thing again so mm -hmm. there was a time in my game where you guys were looking through the summer home of like one of the evil characters of the game the the, the yeah. were these rich um traders or whatever and you were looking through their stuff and in one of their like dressers you found uh, a pair of boots that were okay. made out of lizardman skin basically like yeah. dragonborn skin and that was disgusting it was shocking but I, I intentionally put them there because i feel like you know if you're talking one-on-one -on -one with someone who's a liar with someone who's who's a terrible human being who's a terrible person Oftentimes they're really good at hiding that. They're really they're really good at, you know, kind of using social norms and 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 etiquette and this and that and the other thing to disguise their villainy. Mm. But you cannot hide the villainy of dragonborn skin shoes. Like that yeah. is it's, it's an that. object that speaks volumes about the owner. So yeah. Yeah, I a hundred percent do that. I I put things in that are shocking, that are that are like out of place. Attention grabbing, yeah. Yeah, attention grabbing because it's it's kind of like having the NPC say the name of the dad or whatever, you know? Like it it's it's almost equivalent because I know my players are gonna fixate on it. I know my players are gonna be like, oh my god, I can't believe that that's there. But it's it's in the environment and it required them to explore for it. Um, and that's just a great way to characterize like a, a character without that character even being there mm -hmm. um which again is is environmental storytelling i absolutely agree with you yeah 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 i mean and sometimes it happens like by accident too i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i know you you have a lot of intent in the way that you do things but sometimes i'm just thinking of a place and i'm like man i want to have a pirate's cove and i want it to be really cool and to be really piratey and then I'm like, you know what would be the freaking coolest thing ever is if the like meeting headquarters is a ruined ship on top of a rock. Like that's that's just cool. I want that to happen. And then I <laughs> and then I just kind of work my story around it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that that's exactly like like earlier. Like like I as a player, I would be like, what how is that? I, I mean, I guess it's like at least it's a rock like in the ocean. But like you're like, how did I get here, right? So like, I, I guess like that's almost seeding in that case, wouldn't it be? Like if if you as a DM, then you look at it and you're like, yeah, why? How did that shit get here? Ship get here, and then you kind of come up with. Yeah, well, I mean, it. Unless I'm like getting it's, it's again. never, it's never like I I never will put. Or maybe I should never say never, but I like in that particular case, I didn't I didn't just like think of that on the spot when you guys were playing. Mm. It just my creative process doesn't always start with the intention. My creative process yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. starts with the like, wow, that'd be that'd be really cool. And yeah. then I I then and then I like weave the story to for that to make sense. So it's 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 still gonna be environmental storytelling at the end of the day because yeah, the boat got there somehow and I figured that out. 
And yeah. if you guys find that out, it'd be cool. But spoilers. But yeah. <laughs> but um. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, my my process sometimes mm -hmm. is reversed. It's not like, what's my story, and then how do I say it? Sometimes it's, what's my environment, and what does yeah. that? What kind of story does that say? Um, I think that that's a good point because like. It seems very like the way I described it. It seems very like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like almost like you're in a lab and like like the the you're you're reading a manual of like how I do it. But like mm -hmm. so you're gonna have a situation like that where you have this this cool idea, or or even like a like a regular idea, and then something else comes up later that kind of creates like a not a feedback loop, like uh, loops back to um, that earlier idea. And then now you're like, oh, wow, okay. That's like I just created, like I can, if I change this just a little bit, like there you go. Like that's going to that's gonna be something for the players to find out now. And I mm -hmm. think that's, that's part of, that's just the nature of this process for sure. Yeah. I mean, one question that I have for you too, Vince, that's a little like tangentially related to what you just said, but I also want to ask because I want to know what, mm -hmm. what, you're, what you're thinking is for this. But it's, you know, one thing that I struggle with when I'm doing my descriptions of a space is how not to give away yeah. the things that I want my players to explore further. Um, and, you know, we touched on it at the beginning of the episode. You only have like a window of like a minute to do a description of a space uh, before people start to, unless it's like the best description in the whole wide world. Like people don't want you to rifle off 10 different things that they can interact interact mm -hmm. in that space so you know with with these parameters that you're saying you know you, you try to put intention behind the things that are in the space and you wanted to tell a certain story how do you how do you go how do you navigate that limitation in in your descriptions to still be able to have players feel like they discovered something novel you know like how, what kind of approach do you take I guess like, I mean, it's like, it's like anything else. Like you have to prioritize, prioritize. Um, Cause you're right. Like no one wants to read, like listen to their, their DM, just read out like a one, one, two page description of a, of like a 10 by 10 room, right? Like, yeah, as a DM, like you have to, or GM, you have to focus on like what's important. Like usually like maybe, maybe you have like, one one thing that's like environmental storytelling telling per like uh like area or room right like maybe not in like a home i'm using like vague terms here but like maybe not in a whole dungeon but like in this room like there's this thing and like you know i'm there's something to find out here and then sometimes you just describe like the rest of the description is just fluff like oh like the, there's a there's a there's like a smell of humidity in the air like the the wood looks like looks um there's like a moldy piece of bread which, which isn't like i mean you're describing the environment the environment but it's not really storytelling you know yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. then there's this one thing that like that's like the main like the main focus of that area you know like that's that's kind of the players aren't going to perceive it that way because they don't know they can't they're not in your head so they they don't know what's what and and they, they could you know sometimes they focus on on something random um 
which if you're lucky, then then maybe that's going to give you an idea for later, right? Yeah. Do, do you sometimes? Um, th- thank you. Uh, do, do you sometimes? If if there's a lot of pieces of environmental storytelling that we miss, or mm-hmm. that that your players um, just didn't didn't get around to investigating, does that just die, and then and that piece of the story doesn't get told, or do you do you recycle it, or do you do you try to find a way for it to kind of come back in a different space? I, I don't know. I because that that might be the approach I take. Yeah. Obviously, I, I still want it to feel natural and feel like it it ought to be there. But um, it, it it really depends, right? Because like, I mean, if if you can, sure. I, I think it's just being uh, thrifty to like kind of recycle. Because like, there's no point in like having a like a, a, a ten page description of a room that your your players didn't go into, and then just leave that there forever and then never mm-hmm. go back. Like, it's almost as if 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 your players don't experience it, it doesn't really exist, right? So there's. Like I encourage people to recycle, I guess, um, but sometimes you can't really because it's so like tied into to the environment. Um, and sometimes, like sometimes, I'm like, you know what, they missed it, but like it's like it's still there, and and it's okay that they missed it, you know. If it's like yeah. something something tiny, um, usually like like for big stuff, like I'll have I'll have like multiple different things. Kind of pointing towards, um, I'm gonna say like the reveal, like that that click moment. So like maybe they missed that that letter, but like there's a tombstone at in, in this other place and whatever. I guess it depends on like how you feel. I think it makes sense to to recycle, uh, but that, it depends on your style as a as a GM. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how do you do it? Like do you do you? Yeah, I you, tend to I tend to recycle yeah. like like you said. Sometimes it's 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 just too specific to it's too specific to recycle. But um, but I feel like if it's specific and important, I I tend to be more um, generous in having it found. Like I I, I yeah. almost make it happen. Uh, if if that makes sense, obviously I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoon feed the players, but when they enter the room, there's sure as heck gonna be there's, there's gonna be it's p- part of my like 45 second description. Yeah, half of it's gonna be that important thing that I certainly hope they go check. You know, you know what I mean? Like mm. if it's that specific and that important, I might be more generous with it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, or it's like like you you have to. That you have to bring up, like you ha- you have to bring it up to your players. Mm-hmm. Definitely, like that. That thing that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, are there and and you know we've been giving a lot of, of a lot of advice. Is there any other specific advice? Like if, if there's a new new game master or someone who doesn't do a lot of environmental storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, if they if they approached you and they said, "Hey, I need help. I want to make my games more immersive. Have more environmental storytelling." Have more exploration in my games, that kind of thing. What would you What would you recommend uh, to that person? Um, couple of different approaches here. Like the first one would be, if you're really like a beginner or you want to just try it out, keep it simple. You know, start with something simple that's like one one element or like 
like like that 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 letter example from from earlier mm -hmm. uh, in in the in in the the episode that's that's very simple right it was like you know it was right there and it's just one shot and like you see it don't like don't get don't get disappointed if you you players don't focus on it you can again you can reuse it don't be afraid to reuse it yeah um so that that'd be the first approach second approach would be i guess like like go like really really macro right so if your thing is like if if you've got an idea like um i don't know like the the city um the city can is is actually like a, a vessel that can fly get it can fly in the sky right um so that that's that's a that's that's something that's like and like in your in your idea of like the game like at some point it, it's going to happen that like the, the you want the players to find that thing and like make it so that like now like this city is going to be, be like their home base or whatever and it's going to fly it's going to move around then like you you have this one big thing so like just like put in a lot of like think of a lot of like like five or ten different things that could um kind of point towards that again it could be documents or whatever like um and then kind of put that wherever the players go put that there and like see if they find it try to point it to it and like if if your players are like inquisitive and they they stop to think about it at some point they they, they might they might kind of piece the things together and, and keep in mind that it's fine if they don't you can't like because you're like you can't sometimes you, you can't force it right otherwise you're just telling them that i think that's 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 part of the thing depends on your players too but anyway i'm kind of rambling but those are the two different ideas i have about that yeah no that, that makes a lot of sense and i might piggyback on on one of the things you said about keeping it simple i think you know you're gonna have amazing environmental storytelling if you can ha if you know the history of your space and you know the story you're trying to tell right off right off the get-go but i but i think you can still do a pretty good job of doing environmental storytelling if you only know a piece of that mm -hmm. and and i think you know i'd be kidding yeah. if i said i know the whole thing like most of the time i'm building it as i go so i, I think uh, a good approach would be if you're running a small game you're running a little dungeon or what have you just think about the utilities and the purposes of of the space and the people that are using that space and then if you do want to think of a bigger picture like maybe the person who's responsible like the the ringleader of the goblins or the you know the bandit like the, the the circle of bandits the council of bandits that meet and and they're the ones like secretly controlling the trade goods of your environment like think of like one step ahead just think yeah. of what what's next and define one or two things about that about that next level and then yeah. pepper it into your in, into the dungeon that you're in and that doesn't mean you know all about the council of bandits but you do know that the council of bandits uh is you know their main export is tobacco and that's the thing that they really want to get out there so maybe you'll have like a letter talking about ensuring the safe delivery of the tobacco and, and maybe there's like a barrel of tobacco that's really securely fastened whereas everything else isn't little things like that and as you keep a running tally of all these things that you've kind of tacked on to 
to the bigger picture, you're gonna eventually have a whole piece, you know, that that defines the. I'm gonna use my example again. That's gonna define this council of bandits. Um, mm. So that that would be the approach I would take, especially if it seems daunting. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it, it certainly can be. Like we're we're not all gonna be Bethesda <laughs> over here. <laughs> no, like, there's no there's no way. It's impossible. I don't know if we we because we were talking a bit before, right? But like, if you think of Bethesda, like they've got like how many developers, like mm. how many people, like just working on 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 exactly that. Whereas like if you're a GM, you're probably just doing that by yourself. So, so like, it, it's going to be almost impossible to to do things at at that level, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, something too that I don't know if this is a strategy. It probably isn't, but <laughs> but I I find it a lot of fun like letters are great like I, i love letters i love things like that because not only are they pieces of environmental storytelling but because you can make them handouts and i think that yeah. that's something that you cannot do in a video game you can't print out <laughs> a letter and give it to your players at the table like bring the environment to your players and letters are like a super straightforward thing that you can do like letters or diaries or I'm trying to think of like other little props, like maps, things like that. You know, usually when it's on a piece of paper, yeah. if if you feel like being artsy and putting like coffee on top of a piece of paper or whatever, that you can come up with some cool stuff, and your yeah, players yeah, will yeah. remember it. I feel that's a that's a whole. You can have a whole episode on handouts. That's or, true. You know, um, but definitely, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so uh, I think we're we're you know we're running a little long. We're about at the hour mark, maybe a little over that. Um, but Vitz, I don't I don't want to for you to feel like we have to stop talking about this. Like, if is there is there any other things that you know you feel like you didn't get a chance to say, or 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 elements of environmental storytelling that you really want to hammer home for the people listening? Um. I mean, there's so many things we could go for another hour, probably if you wanted. But no, I think we 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 touched up on it. Um, you know, I think we 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 touched the the biggest things. Um, yeah. So no, I think uh, that's it for me, really. All right. Cool. Yeah. So I think that's it for me too. Um, so that's that's it for environmental storytelling. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, let's do a quick recap. You know, let's let's really condense all this down. So we talked about environmental storytelling, which is, the, you know, using the space that the players explore to tell a greater narrative. Um, in the context of role-playing games, it also usually it gets players engaged in the narrative by by investigating or rolling, you know, certain checks or, or skills to learn more about elements in your environment um that's kind of the definition that we we landed on uh, then we talked a little bit about why it was important to us i don't know if you if you want to summarize that vince for, for yeah listeners. yeah if, like we talked about i think we, we both agreed that like it's for selfish reasons <laughs> <laughs> I, i mean it, it's it's fun is the, the biggest thing and it, it it adds it adds in a another dimension for for you players to like to really have that that click moment either right away or, or later on about uh what they they they, they kind of do their own do the work themselves so it it leaves a, a more lasting impact mm. 
Absolutely, yeah. And I, th- I think it's a very engaging way. I, I don't think we ever explicitly said it, but it's a very engaging way to do exposition. It's, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's really fun in that sense. Um, and then lastly, we talked about kind of some of the techniques that we use, the strategies that we employ. Um, so, so to quickly summarize, and Vince, feel free to, you know, add to this. Uh, we talked about having intention, you know, planning it out, or, or at least having some purpose behind at least one or two of the objects you put into every room so that it, it paints a bigger picture. Um, and I, I think that that's one of the biggest, biggest strategies. I don't know if you have things to add to that, Vince. Um, not really. I think that, that kind of highlights it very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, think of your big picture. Think of kind of the next layer beyond the one that you're in. Uh, oh, you talked about history, having having history and having layers of history. Um, yeah, the timeline of your location. You talked about um, um, thinking about who lives in, in, in the environment, mm-hmm. um, what do they do, and how can you can the environment kind of bring that home rather than like an NPC just telling you. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I think the last thing that we talked about that – I don't think we we framed it as a, as a strategy, but now that I'm thinking of it out loud again, I think it certainly is. Is that putting in certain elements of of your environment that are shocking, that are going to draw the attention of your players, because then you almost guarantee that they're going to engage with it. So having having shocking things, disturbing things, if people are are you know are there uh, for that, yeah, or just attention grabbing. Really, it doesn't have mm. to, to create like I said, shock, and it definitely can be that. But just something that that seems odd, out of the ordinary, um, for 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 where it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think that that covers environmental storytelling. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, if you did, I'd encourage you to reach out to us. You can contact me at roll underscore play underscore chat at uh, on Twitter, or you can email me at contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. Uh, Vince, I don't know if you want to, if you have a few parting words or, or places that you want people to, to come find you, if you want uh, that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really online other than, than here, really, when I'm, when I'm invited here. Um, I'd say, well, you know, if, if you like this, this podcast, I'm going to plug you. Um, <laughs> to share it with your friends, right? Um, Matt puts, puts a lot of work into that. So, um, and I think it's, he touches some very interesting stuff. So, Appreciate that. I'm I'm humbled. I appreciate that. Bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna also do a, a, a little maybe a selfish thing and ask you to rate the podcast. Um, in addition to sharing it with your friends, rating the podcast or giving it a you know a subscription or whatever, just having it automatically download to your listening device helps me a lot. It helps the visibility of the show. Um, giving us a, a five-star review on iTunes or whatever. I, I don't really know how you rate things on, on Spotify. I probably should figure that out, but um, <laughs> it, it definitely helps with the algorithm. Yeah, so exactly. I, I really appreciate that. And yeah, well, so thanks Vince for, for being on the show. It was a lot of fun. You're always welcome yeah. back. Um, especially if you're going to help plug the things that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't see, you can't have a bad guest, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's it's always a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, then, with with that said and done, I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and uh, we'll call it a chat. Bye.
Bye.